Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is FCB Radio, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbradio.com. If you don't like the way I talk, then why am I on your mind? If you don't like the way I rock, then why are we wasting time? We fight and we argue, you'll soon love me blind. If we don't miss this whole thing, you're guaranteed I can blow your mind. Why? And tonight I'm alive in a dollar sign, guaranteed. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Just Listen to Yourself podcast with Kira Davis. I am your host, Kira Davis, of course, and this is the podcast where I take hot topics of the day and I take their talking points, the most popular talking points related to those topics and I draw them out to their logical conclusion because I believe that we don't really stop and listen to ourselves enough and sometimes when we take 
our opinions and our thoughts about an issue and we actually take the time to dig into them and draw them out to their logical conclusion, sometimes our minds change. Sometimes we're not saying the things that we think we're saying or sometimes we become more confident in what we believe. So this is a thought experiment. It's an exercise in persuasion. And I have to thank everybody who's been with me on this journey so far. I am so heartened by the month-to-month responses to this podcast. It's just been incredible. And to, to in fact, I was at a rally the other day. We've got this horrible AB5 legis- legislation here in California that is, has basically killed the gig economy overnight. So we're fighting it and we're fighting hard because there's a national bill right now. There's a bill um, in Congress. So we don't, we don't want it to spill out from our borders into the rest of the United States. And we're fighting to get it repealed. So I was at a rally in LA. And by the way, if you want to know more about that, you can go back and listen to one of last week's episodes, which was about does the government have the right to, should the government kill the gig economy? Should the government end the gig economy? So go back and listen to that. But I was at this rally and two or three people approached me to say, because I spoke, they approached me to say, I, I found your podcast through a friend, mostly it's through a friend, and I love it. And I've gone back and listened to every episode. And you've really made me think, I mean, what an honor. What an honor. So thank you so much, everyone who listens. And thank you for sharing. Please share this podcast with your friends. Because I really try to, I don't hide who I am as a person and how I think. But what I want is to have a larger conversation with people who aren't like me. So I don't, I really try to, to be balanced. I don't want to lecture people, but I do want to spark a conversation. And I always look at this as a conversation, even though it's very one-sided because I'm the one with the microphone and you're the one with the device that's listening. But my husband has come in sometimes when I'm podcasting and later on he'll say, who are you talking to? Who are you podcasting with? And I'll be like, no one by by myself. And he'll be like, well, it sounds like you were totally talking to somebody. (laughs) But that's how I feel. I feel like I'm talking to you guys. I feel like we're in the same room. And so that's part of my goal is to have a conversation. So I want you guys to feel free to share this podcast and not worry about, oh, is my friend going to think that I'm this ideology or I'm that ideology? I don't want my friend to like think I'm a horrible person because I'm I'm a conservative or because I'm a liberal. I, I don't I don't want that. I want you to feel good about sharing this podcast with people, whatever their political persuasion, because all I'm doing is giving you my ideas of persuasion and my thoughts. But I'm not I'm not saying that you don't have any valuable opinions and thoughts on the issue. Um, I'm merely suggesting that there are other ways to look at things. And that's it. And we can still go sit down and have a beer at the end of the day and it'll be all good. So thank you to everyone who shared in this journey so far. We've got many more topics to cover. And if you have a suggestion for a topic, something you want to hear me talk about, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at Real Kira Davis, K-I-R-A, or you can uh, send me an email at uh, Kira Davis 422, Kira Davis 422, the numbers at gmail.com. And uh, I've already had several emails from people that have sparked subjects on this show. So feel free. I do... You know, I do read them and I and sometimes I do respond. Today, we're talking about student loans. Should America forgive all student debt? This is a subject that's on the forefront of the news these days because Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are two candidates who 
part who have included forgiving student loan debt as part of their platform and it's a pretty big part of their platforms and elizabeth warren was confronted by a father the other day on a campaign stop who asked if under her plan he would be reimbursed for the loans he had already paid off for his daughter and her answer was no and she got in, in, into a little bit of a publicity kerfuffle over that but i thought well eh, this is a good topic to talk about we should dig into this because he had a decent question and honestly she didn't have a good answer for it no might be the ultimate answer for her it could it could be the answer for sure but to just look somebody in the face and say no and to not really have any rationality the to back it up i think it exposes some holes in this case so in case you haven't guessed i do not believe that student debt should be erased by our government i do not believe that that is a good plan i don't think it's good for students i don't think it's good for the cost of college and i don't think it's good for american prosperity so i'm going to give you some of my reasons why i think this is a bad idea based on some of the talking points that i that i hear and that i imagine a lot of you out there might have so one of the let's just start at the start you can you know how i like to do start at the start one of the first things people always say about college is college is too expensive college costs too much money people say that all the time college is too expensive but no one ever asks why college is so expensive I mean, you've probably said it to yourself many times in your life. Man, college costs so much money. When's the last time you asked why it costs so much money? And maybe you have asked why, but have you have you gone to check up on why? Have you done a Google search? Have you asked how some of these colleges spend their money, where they get their money, how much money is coming through? The cost of college has far outpaced the cost of living in general society. That means that it has grown exponentially faster than the regular cost of living. So even accounting for inflation, the cost of colleges, I, you know, I apologize that I did not look up this percentage before I started this, this podcast. Maybe I'll look it up for the show notes. But I, I know that it's, it's a huge, I mean, it's something like 136% or something that it's outpaced living. I could be wrong, but it, it, it has greatly outpaced the cost of living in our society why well i think it's a good question to ask or the, a good place to start when asking why college is so expensive is how much money is going through college in the first place i don't think people imagine that colleges are making as much money as they are so i started with the top echelon of college which is harvard university and it's pricey as you can imagine but there's a reason right that it costs so much harvard is one of the best schools in in the world if you get an education of, at harvard it opens a lot of doors for you so they're selling a product that is very valuable so already you're like okay well that's fair that that, that it's going to cost a little more than the average school fair enough well harvard has an endowment fund every college has an endowment fund an endowment fund is a permanent fund that's kept in trust so it means that it, it never goes away it's forever and you can never withdraw that money but you you live off the interest of it so every year the investors for the fund make their investments with the money in there and then um in theory those investments pay off plus the interest and that goes back to the school or the charity or the organization. So Harvard has the largest endowment fund in the United States for any university at $40 billion, $40 billion. 
that means they're at about close to $2 billion in revenue from that a year. So that's from interest and from investments. That's a lot of money. Now, I know a lot of you are like, well, $2 billion isn't really that much. But this is how desensitized we are to spending these days. We never actually take a look at what these numbers mean. Our government has debts in the trillions, and that's almost unimaginable. So when you see the number billion, you think, well, you know, there's a few billionaires in um, the world, and a billion's not that much these days. But I implore you to remember that one billion has nine zeros on it. That's more money than you can imagine sifting through. So, you know, put that aside. A billion dollars is a hell of a lot of money. It really is. And Harvard gets two almost every year from this endowment fund, not to mention all of the donations from alumni uh, and incoming parents who want to, you know, grease the wheels a little bit for their kids. I think last year they recorded about $500 million in donation. Well, Kira, still, Harvard is an expensive school to run. It's probably a, on premium property by this time in 2020. They offer a lot of elite programs and the opportunities you get from being at Harvard, you can't get anywhere else. And they have the top professors and the top sports teams and the top equipment, the top of everything. So it's obviously going to cost a lot. Okay. I mean, that's fair. But like, how much? Do you know what I mean? How much does it cost to run Harvard's campus a year? Do you know? You should look to see. I, I did a little bit more math. I did a little bit more math. I looked to see how many students there were at Harvard. There are 22,000 students across the Harvard family. And then I looked to see how much the tuition was at Harvard. It's $51,000 a year listed on their website. A little a little more than that. But for the sake of math, we'll leave it at 51000 Well, I thought, okay, well, how much are they bringing in in tuition? 51,000 times 22,000 is $1,122,000,000. So now we're up to two, three, like over $3 billion a year just, just coming in. That has nothing to do with the products they sell. You know, the gear, all that, all the, the sweatshirts, the, I mean, anything that's branded with the Harvard name is 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 copyright. That's that's money in their pocket. So, I mean, there's just so many things that they make money from all of the games that that are played. You have to buy tickets to the games. You have to buy tickets to see the shows. I mean, there are just so many ways that they're building and and getting income. That's a lot of money coming through the system. Now, I, I hear what you're saying. Well, Kira, $51,000 is a lot of money. But those kids, probably a lot of them, probably most of them aren't paying the full 51000 Probably most of them have some kind of scholarships and then they've got loans. And so really what they're paying is like 25000 probably half that. Okay, that's fair. But I just gave you a number, $1,122,000,000. Even if you halved that, that's still a lot of money coming in for tuition. Not to mention that the this is the other thing. This is see this is <laughs> here we're getting into the nitty-gritty here. Why is that number $51,000? If Harvard knows that basically what's going to happen is half these kids are going to get loans, 
half the kids are going to get scholarships or some kind of grants. And most of the kids are only going to be able to pay 20 grand at most out of their own pocket. Then why do they make it that high in the first place? If they know everybody else is going, they know almost everybody is actually going to only be paying half that. Why does Harvard pay cost $51,000? Ask yourself, do you, I, are you seeing the answer? Is it coming to you right now? It's, and it's, it's good business. Anybody trying to sell a product does that. They, you list the product at a higher value than it is. And if, and if it's a product that people can negotiate for, um, then you list it high and people come in low or it seems low. And so when they come in low, then you can go lower without losing your profit. Did I explain that well? I'm not an economics professor, guys. I'm not, I'm just a talker. <laughs> and if you want to know more, if you're curious about economics, a great book to start with is Basic e Economics by Thomas Sowell. It is not a beach read, but it will teach you some things. It'll, it'll, it'll probably change your, it'll probably be a paradigm shift for you. I know it was for me. It, it changed a lot about how you think of the economy, but it's got some good, just nuts and bolts about how the economy works. But that, right? So why is Harvard listing their price at $51,000 when really in reality, it probably costs about $22,000. And they know that's what most people can afford. Do you know why? Because they know they can get $51,000. That's why. Because they know that no one, har hardly anyone can afford $51,000 a year, at least. I mean, I don't even think that includes room and board if you want to stay on campus or whatever your books are. I mean, the expenses, you know that. It's not just tuition. They go up and up and up. But Harvard knows that the average student's probably only going to pay twenty-two dollars to $25,000 a year for college out of, out of their own pocket, so to speak, using air quotes here. So they charge a $51,000 because they know they can. And then the people who don't qualify for loans because they make too much money or, or whatever, they're from an, another country or something, the people that can pay that $51,000 will pay that $51,000. And also, every time the government says we're increasing money for student loans, we're increasing money for Pell Grants, we're increasing money for state scholarships, the school raises their costs because that's more free money coming in. Do you see how this works? The costs go up when the free goes up. Because then Harvard knows, oh, okay, great. Now this year's students are going to have access to $27,000 in student loans and, aid, and government aid. So we can raise the price to $55,000. Because we've determined that the average student can actually manage to muster up twenty-two dollars to $25,000 a year. Do you see? It's math. It's numbers. All the numbers push each other. You, we can't live in this world. Economics doesn't respond to your ideals. Numbers don't respond to your feelings. We live in a society where money and cash drive the economy. And so it's just physics, right? There's a, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Every time we pour more money into the student debt system, the cost of school goes up. And that's not my opinion. That is a fact. So the next time you're saying, you know what, it's not fair that college costs so much and it shouldn't cost so much to reach for a dream. And the dream is too far out of reach for a lot of these kids. You're right. But why? It's not my fault that co college costs so much. 
And technically, it's not your government's fault. It's not DC's fault. I mean, they're involved in the process. So, but it technically, it's not the government that's kind of being mean, you know, the evil wizard behind the curtain and they're twisting the buttons like, oh, we want to make college cost more for everyone because we hate poor people and minorities. That's not what's happening. It's the colleges that are raising their prices. It's their fault the college costs so much. So the next time you want to say, well, college costs too much and therefore we have to erase student debts, before you carry that thought on, ask yourself why it costs so much and then whatever college you're looking at, go and find out how they spend their money. You'd be surprised. Here in California, the UC system has been under audit, under federal audit, state and federal audit for a couple years. And um, the UCLA chancellor, who is Janet, what's her face? She used to work for Obama. Can't remember her last name now. It's slipping my mind. You know what it, Yelnick? Anyways, come to find out, she, she hid something like $300 million dollars during the audit 300 million dollars at the school of cash that the school had access to she hid it away so that they ought hoping the audit wouldn't find it they have so much money running through those schools where's it all going what's it all going for so yes college is expensive but ask yourself why next time okay and what happens when the cost of something when when something is free right the value is lowered and then the provider can respond accordingly. Oh, this education costs $55,000. But you know what? We'll come in, we'll come in at 25. You can find some funding. Yeah, we'll we'll come in at, at 25 for you. Next year kid comes and says, "Hey, this is great. I've got $27,000 this year. So, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, chip away at that tuition." Oh, cost went up. It's $57,000 this year. <laughs> you see what I mean? All this negotiating drives the cost of college up. Okay. Hey, everyone. Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others, so that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? 
Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and use my code, my code, JLTY50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code JLTY50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Education is a right. This is what a lot of people say. Education is a right. Country, Other countries like Canada where I was born, Australia, uh, people love using the Scandinavian countries as examples of socialist paradises, but colleges, you know, university there is free. Educate because education is a right. And so you shouldn't have to pay for a right. I humbly disagree. Education is not a right. It is a privilege. Education actually isn't a specific right that is enumerated in our constitution. But a lot of people will extract that idea from the text of the constitution when it says, you know, the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of happiness for a lot of people that covers a lot of stuff. (laughs) People, the pursuit of happiness, pursuit is chasing, right? Not being followed. So happiness doesn't follow you by the government, you know, (laughs) releasing happiness into the wild. Happiness, go chase after that person. No, you are pursuing happiness. That denotes something that you have to do. So happiness is not given to you. Happiness is the thing you pursue. So the pursuit of happiness isn't people just showering you with all of your needs to make you happy. That's not what it is. But some people interpret the Constitution like that and they do that for education. But education is not a right. Education is a privilege. We just spent 20 minutes or so talking about how college, why college costs so much. And I broke down some of the basic numbers for you. And I said, it's, it's business. It's sales. They're selling a product, this elite education, and you're buying it. They come in high, then you come in lower and then they drop down, but really it hasn't cost them much more to drop down to meet your price. They just list it high so the people that can pay that much will. But they know that the actual cost of the education is probably about half that. That's business. You do it with your cars. When you negotiate for cars, you do it when you buy your homes. That's business. Well, Kira, education is a commodity. BS, it sure is a commodity. If it wasn't a commodity, we wouldn't be talking about how much money it costs in the first place. You wouldn't be complaining that it costs so much that that you need to take out loans to go there. Absolutely. Why do we educate people anyway? Why do we have quote free? I use air quotes because nothing is free. Nothing is free, everybody. Somebody pays for it. But anyway, why do you think we have free public education up to grade 12? (laughs) That was what the Canadian coming out of me. 12th grade. (laughs) 
<laughs> up to the 12th grade. Why do you think so? Because we want our kids to be educated enough to go out into the world when they leave school, to be able to get a decent job, to have enough education, to pursue some kind of comfortable lifestyle or at least self-sustaining lifestyle. And then they become taxpayers and they pay into the tax base and the tax base supports all of the other things we need and want from our government. So we're investing in our future by investing in education now, right? That's the very definition of a commodity. It's worth something. I don't know why people want to make everything free. Free denotes a loss of value. If you've ever worked in sales or worked around sales, you'll know a lot of salespeople don't like to use the word free. They'll say, oh, this is at low cost to you. No cost to you. No cost is the term they use for free because free denotes a lack of value. It denotes a cheapness because anything that is worth having is costly. That is, that is nature. That is that is physics. That is an undeniable law of the universe. Anything worth having is costly. I, I've used that theme over and over again on this podcast. You can go back and listen to my podcast about tolerance. And I talk about what tolerance means and what it means to cultivate peace between divisive people. And I talk about how tolerance costs you. Like it costs you some pride, it costs you some feelings, it costs you some satisfaction that you may have had from retribution, it costs you something. But the reason it costs you is because it's worth having. The peace that it brings is worth having. Love to love someone costs you. You're taking a big risk when you when you love someone. You 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 could and probably will at some point lose that person that you love. Nobody, none of us gets out of this life alive. So you could have your heart broken. That person could hurt you. Person could cheat on you. Think of all the ways your, your kids, you have a kid. I remember that was one of the first things I thought when I had my, my son, I thought about all the ways this kid could break my heart, but that's the price of love. That's the cost of love. Is it love? If it doesn't cost you anything, if you don't have to take that risk, the, the risk, the cost adds the value. Do you, are you, I don't need to beat this dead horse. You get it. You guys are smart. When we make college free, we devalue it. And that is what we're seeing happening right now, isn't it? All these kids, these millennials particularly, have come out of college after 10 years of grad degrees and post-grads. And they come out and they're like, my, my college degree won't even get me a job in the mailroom at Goldman Sachs. Now I need two graduate degrees to get a job in the mailroom at Goldman Sachs. That's because the value of the college degree has been diluted by making it so low, so um, free, by making it free basically for so many people because there are a lot of people in this country who go to college for free. Don't begrudge you. I hope my son goes to college for free. I'm just laying this out. What happens is it devalues it and the more people you put in the system, then the less value that has a college degree used to be very valuable because not so many people had it. And it really was a sign of how far you were willing to go to be educated in the subject that you wanted to pursue. Now the valuable degree is, is, or the valuable pursuit is like electrician, plumber, 
Like those, the trades have become very lucrative businesses because there's a demand for it. The college pool has been diluted and manual labor now has a high demand because fewer people are doing that. So the more people we throw into the college system on a free basis, on the basis of it being free, the more the value of the product gets diluted. This brings, this brings me to another point. I was going to do this point later, but since I got here now, Kira, everyone should be able to go to college. Everyone should be able to go to college. Nope, I don't believe that. Ah, hear me out. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe college is for everybody. And we've gotten to this place in society where it's actually offensive to say that, which I find ridiculous. But if somebody says, not everybody is cut out for college, what some people hear is, oh, you're not smart enough. You're, are you saying my son's not smart enough? Are you saying this or that? No, I'm not saying this or that. I'm saying not everybody's cut out for college. Not everybody's cut out for the suburbs. Not everybody is cut out for New York City. Not everybody is cut out for those, you know, leggings that you're wearing when you really should be like covered up. You know what I mean? Like we're not all suited for every lifestyle. And this idea that every kid is supposed to go to college. First of all, what it, it we could do a whole nother episode on what it does to the psyche of a kid when parents demand something of them that they simply are not able to deliver. I have... I live in Southern California, so I have a therapist. <laughs> I've had a therapist for a while, though, because I deal with chronic depression. Maybe I'll share more of my story on this on this show. It's not a secret. I don't feel ashamed of it. It's nothing weird. Um, and I've been able to really control and conquer it over the last few years with a good regimen of therapy and um, healthy decisions. That being said, when I need to, I go see the therapist. I don't see him every week or every day, but sometimes I pop in if I'm having an issue. So, and we chat. He's actually a, I, I love my therapist. He's actually a fan of my writing. <laughs> so when I came in, it was sort of a funny meeting. He was like, oh, you're that Kira Davis? I read you all the time. So one day we were, we were talking about college. I was talking about sending my son off to college. And he said, you know, I would say about 70% of my business in the fall is counseling families who, whose kids have bailed out of college and come home. And the parents are so disappointed because they feel like it's an indictment of their parenting. But really what, and really the main work we have to do is to convince these parents that your kid is not dumb and you have not failed. You've just chosen a path that they didn't belong in. And when you find the right path for them, they're going to find success. They're going to be successful. Not everyone is meant for college. What happens is you send kids who aren't ready for college, who don't belong there, who don't need that type of environment to succeed. And then they fail. And then they think they're the failure. And they wonder what they did wrong. Why are they so stupid? And it's not them at all. It's, it's the environment. They don't belong there. Some kids need to go into a trade school and work with their hands. Some kids need to go and just get right into the workplace, get right into the employment field. Some kids need that. Some kids need an alternative type of education. They go abroad to study or they join the military. Like college is not the end all be all of how one is educated and we've made it as such. And that's another reason why the price has gone up and up and up. Because the more we tell people they have to have this, then the colleges can just 
charge us whatever. It's just like your electricity. It can go up and up and up. You have to pay whatever they charge because you need them. You need your electricity. Unless you're one of those people who has managed to really grab the ultimate dream of living off the grid (laughs) by yourself. I have that fantasy all the time. But for most of us, we need our electricity. So the electric company can charge us whatever they want. We're at their mercy. So no, everyone doesn't need to go to college. If everyone goes to college, it dilutes the value of the college degree. And what college, what the workforce needs is competition. And um, the idea that everyone has to go to college and should go to college and can't succeed unless they're in college, it removes competition, competition and it dilutes the value. Okay. Greedy banks are taking advantage of students. Hear this one a lot. Big banks, big government, big pharma, big GMO, whatever. (laughs) There's always some big bad, big corporations. There's always some big bad entity that is coming to get us. And um, we need the government to protect us from those big bad entities, which I find to be laughable. Because if there's any entity that has proven itself to be big and bad throughout history in any nation of any world, it's government. You know, I don't know why we just assume that 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 our founding father. This is I'm getting distracted here, but whatever. It's my podcast. I'll do what I want. Our founding fathers did not design um, the the Republican government. I don't mean Republican as in party. I mean Republican as in the type of government is. We live in a republic. So they did not design the Republican government to um, protect people from each other. The The government was designed, the Constitution is, is a negative um, protector of rights, a protector of negative rights, I guess. That means that it's it's there to... It's there to protect your rights. It's not there to give you rights. So it's not there to give you protection from anything. It's just there to ensure that um, those rights are not infringed. And we already talked about how education is not a right. It's not in the Constitution and, and it's not a right anyway. Now there's health care, by the way, which we're going to get to. I know. Well, here's the other thing. I know. <laughs> I can already hear you talking to me. What? I mean, everyone wants to be cared for when they're sick. Don't get me wrong. I would, I would love for it to be free. I did live in quote free healthcare. I grew up in it. <sighs> Nothing's free. Nothing is free. And sometimes you get what you pay for. You know what I'm saying? Do you get it? But the problem with making something free is that you're what you're saying is you're entitled to someone else's labor. So, if big banks are being greedy and you want to make college tuition free, or you want to make student loans free by canceling student loan debt, so the trillions and trillions of dollars that these banks are carrying right now in debt because they've loaned to these students. You want to wipe that out. You're also wiping out the work of the thousands and maybe millions of people over the years that have worked at those banks to bring you this product, the product being the loan. You have an idea of some fat, like Dick Cheney looking brother up in his penthouse high atop Trump Tower and his pants can't even button he's so fat and greedy and he's got you know lobster juice dripping out of his mouth as he laughs his evil maniacal laugh (laughs) I've suckered all these people all these students out of all this money that's not what the big bank is the big bank is people like you who get up every day you get up at the crack of dawn even when you're exhausted, you get dressed, you get your kids dressed, 
You get them off to school. You get them breakfast. Get them off to school. You drop off the dry cleaning on your way to work. You go to work. You're a teller at the bank. You're a loan officer at the bank. You do the accounting at the bank. You do the security at the bank. You're the janitor at the bank. When you say that those banks have the obligation to erase all of the business transactions that they have made over the years, which I'm talking about student loans. Again, student loans are business transactions. When you say that they should erase all of these business transactions, what you're saying is you have the right to those people's labor for free. You do not have the right to someone else's labor. If someone gives you health care, they're providing it. Someone has has provided the labor for you. Healthcare isn't free. My stepmother's a physician. She went through eight years, eight plus years of, of college, of schooling to get there. Her care is not free. Her labor is not free. So to you, you might think that Dick Cheney banker up there is laughing while he's just raking in all the millions and surely somebody somewhere is raking in millions. But there, a lot of labor has gone in to bring you the product of that student loan and what you're saying is those people do not have the right to be paid for their work that they did for you. Somebody has to pay and there's no such thing as free. Somebody has to pay. These banks have not, these banks aren't just sitting around with piles of cash that they, that they could give or take freely. These, these are business transactions. They do this because the business of loaning money is profitable. So that's why they offer it. It costs somebody somewhere something. If you make it quote free, if you erase all that debt, then what have these banks done? They've just given away trillions of dollars of their own money for no return. And that's ridiculous. Again, if you think of the bank as Dick Cheney sitting in Trump Tower, yeah, I guess you could feel a little self-satisfied knowing that that guy wasn't going to get paid his trillions of dollars. But I'm telling you, that's the wrong way to look at it. That's the wrong guy to be looking at. That's the guy who made all the jobs that you and I go to every day. So we might not like him and we not, might not like watching that lobster butter drip off his chin. But he was a job creator. And, and job creation takes asset and it takes a product that is deliverable and a product that people will buy. That's what banks are doing when they loan money. So that's what you're saying when the banks should just forget about all this. This isn't money that the government has paid, y'all. We're not talking, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders make it sound like these are government loans. No, they're not. The, the government went and made deals with banks on your behalf to get these loans to you and the government which is us, has incurred the cost. Your taxes go up every time these grants go up. Every time a Pell Grant goes up, your taxes have to go up. All that deficit everyone's always complaining about. Oh, oh, by the way, people only complain about the deficit when it's not their guy in the White House, right? Suddenly we remember the deficit. But anyway, the deficit and the debt, everyone's always complaining about that. But no one ever asks why it's getting bigger. Every time the government go, you want Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders to go do this. But if they go do this and everything else gets the cost of everything else gets raised because the government has to pay for it. It's not like the government is going and telling the banks, hey, give these kids this money at this interest rate or else. They can't do that and they're not allowed to do that. What they're saying is give these kids this money at this interest rate and we will cover the rest. So again, I implore you to look at what does it mean for something to be free? 
If you want to forgive student debt, what exactly are you forgiving? Whose money are you forgiving? How does the government recoup the money that they have spent so that you could get that lower interest rate? The only way to do it is to raise taxes. Effectively, what you're saying is raise my cost of living at the other end. Raise my grandmother's cost of living. Raise my little brother's cost of living who's not going to be in the workforce for another 15 years. Well, because I think this should be free. No, it's no. I know we want to look at the banks as big and bad and all this, but somebody has to pay for it. Do you understand? Somebody somewhere is paying for it. And what happens is that trickles down. We call that the trickle down economy. A lot of people don't like that word because I guess this is before my time as an American, but I guess this is Ronald Reagan's theory. And since we're all supposed to hate Ronald Reagan, it's a bad idea, but it only makes sense. It makes sense in every other area of your life. But what happens at the top trickles down to the bottom. Is that way with parenting? Is that way at your church? Is that way at your work? I don't know why we decided it's not that way with the, the economy. But if, if a greedy old Dick Cheney in Trump Tower has to, in, has to now eat $2 trillion in loan debt, he's got to restructure the business. Well, what do you do when you have to restructure? You start at the bottom and you cut all the fat at the bottom and then you work your way to the top. That's just how business works. I don't care if you think that's fair. It might not be fair. I don't care if you think that's unjust. That's just how the market responds. That is business. That is reality. I'm a big fan of dealing with, with the world the way it is and not the way we wish it would be. So now you're asking him to remove thousands of jobs from people on the lower end of the scale because he's had to eat $2 trillion. Like, I'm beating a dead horse here. I get it. You get it too, I hope. Somebody pays for it. It's not free. It's important to remember that the, the act of taking out a loan from a, from a big bank, from gross old Dick Cheney and Trump Tower, or from the government is a business transaction between two people. It is a voluntary business transaction between two people. You have a responsibility on your end to understand how it works. And they do too. They don't actually have a responsibility to educate you. A lot of places do. And we have consumer business bureaus and we have a lot of apparatuses for protection for consumers. But at the end of the day, this is the agreement that you've entered into. You may complain about Apple's privacy policies or Facebook's privacy policies, but they have it all listed out. It's 400 pages, but it's there for you to read if you want to. You choose to ignore those 400 pages because at the end of the day, you just don't care. The product that they give you is much more valuable than the price you pay. So you're taking that gamble. It's the same way with loans. Loans are, is a business transaction. You have, to you have to treat it like that. This is a voluntary transaction. No one forces your son to take out $200,000 in loans to get through college. No one forces your son to do that or your daughter. No one forces you. These are voluntary transactions. And the price might be high, might be higher than you want, might be unfair. Really, it might, it might be unfair and it might be unjust. But that's the determination you have to make. You can't, it's, it's just patently ridiculous to go into a voluntary business transaction and then after it's done and after you've reaped all the benefits of it, then to come in and say, I don't think this was fair. I just, I think, I think that you just charged too much. I think you should give me my money back. Even though I got everything I wanted out of the deal. It's like, it's like Megan and, and Harry, are you following 
the royal family news. I'm a Canadian by birth, so Canada is a Commonwealth country. So we're very connected to British royalty, and I've always had a little bit of a, an obsession with them. I have some scrapbooks. I used to cut out every picture of Princess Diana and paste it in these scrapbooks that I still have. And I wonder if they're worth any money. I'm going to get those out someday. But Harry and Meghan, as you know, Meghan, the uh, American actress divorcee, and now Harry has abdicated uh, the the royal family. He's not in line for the throne, so that's not a, that big of a deal. But he's left his royal duties. He wants to live a regular life with his wife, or so he says. They have a baby, and he just... He doesn't like the atmosphere and the environment in the UK for him and, and his wife. And I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of that or what I think personally, because I definitely have opinions because I love celebrity gossip. But that's not the point of this, me bringing them up. One of the things that bothered me about that isn't that he wants to protect his family. I think that's lovely. And I, I think he should do whatever he needs to do to do that. But they were more than happy to adorn themselves with royalty when it was paying for their billion dollar wedding right I mean the British people had a big problem with the price tag of that wedding that wedding was huge and she got her I mean that's the fairy tale isn't it that's the fairy tale she got it she got a, a prince <laughs> and a castle and the big royal wedding where every celebrity in the whole world came out to see you millions of people lining the streets to wave as you as you drive to the church to marry your prince charming she got that all and then she got a beautiful house and probably a big fat allowance and all of the trappings of royalty and and for a while they were okay with that i have no idea when it changed for them when they were like when they realized, oh, I, this isn't the lifestyle we want if, if they, if that happened at all. But what I do know is they received all the benefits of the title of royalty and then decided to renege on their end of the deal. Then they decided after they enjoyed all those benefits that mm, they don't want to be a part of this. And that's the same thing with this business transaction of a loan and a recipient of a loan. You can't take the loan and say, well, great, this loan is helping me get through four years of school so I can get this degree. And then you get the degree and you're like, oh, you know what? That loan seemed to cost a little too much. It doesn't seem fair. I'm not, I'm not going to honor that. I'm not going to honor the deal we made because it's just not fair. Would you want someone to do that to you? Again, you have to look at these, at this as, as people. These, there are people involved here. We get the numbers involved. We get the concepts of, involved and we never think about the people involved a big bank isn't one guy a big bank is a bunch of people hundreds thousands millions of people doing little jobs every day to bring you a product that you sought out if you cannot afford to go to college without a big loan then you cannot afford to go to college and that's that does it suck yeah my husband and I have a, a very uh a small endowment fund that we started back in Gary, Indiana. I mean, it's tiny. It's in the thousands, but we hope to grow it. And we hope to grow it to be able to provide scholarships for kids to from that area to to pay for college. So I do wish that such a thing wasn't out of reach. But again, just to go back to this word that means so much to me, value. 
There is value in having to work for something. I, I paid my own way through college. Oh, and I got student loans. And I got some scholarships. And then I worked while I was in school. And I and I got out of there in four years. Like I didn't waste my time and add a fifth or a sixth year. Like I knew I had four years. I knew that I could I could scrape by for four years and that's it. And that's what I did. And I valued the degree. I valued the experience of college because I had to work for it. I don't know what this is, this modern idea we have that that people shouldn't be working for the things they want. That's crazy. That that robs any accomplishment of any satisfaction of any value of you should. This is probably a theme in every podcast that I've done on this show so far. So far, I talked about men and women. Should women propose to men? And that was one of the things I said, you know, men have to work for the value of your love. They had to work for it. So something has value when you work for it. So I don't get this idea that we're that everyone's supposed to just have this easy time and go to college. And sometimes those doors close, but then some other door opens that we never would have chosen. The military, how many people are in the military that went in there because they wanted to pay, pay, pay for school and then stayed because they loved it? How many people couldn't afford to college and so instead went into the workplace and ended up founding a business you know I met a kid who uh, my daughter takes surf camps in the summer it's like a week-long camp you're just at the beach every day you learn how to surf and there's a kid he started out as a teenager at this camp and he had a he had a camera his mom bought him a, like a really nice camera for a birthday or something he's about 15 and he found some waterproof stuff like some casing and stuff that you can put around the camera and he went to the lady that runs the surf camp and he said can I take pictures of your kids while they're in the water I'll get in the water with them and I'll just take pictures all day and then at the end of the week of camp I'll compose compile a cd of all the pictures that I took and I'll sell it to the parents for like 45 50 bucks a pop or whatever um and she was like yeah great as long as I can use the pictures on my website perfect great deal that kid worked his way through years of camp he's an adult now I don't think he's still in he's I don't think he went to college at all because by the time he got to, from 15 to 19 he was making so much money doing what he was doing there was no need for it and he can always go back if he needs education he can always go back sometimes we're denying people their blessings because we want to give them everything. And I know that you feel that way because you you feel like it's the right thing to do, but it's not. It's actually not the right thing to do to make everyone's life easier. It's not the right thing to do to make everyone's life harder. <laughs> it's for certainly not. But it's actually not the right thing to do to remove every single obstacle for every single person. And that again is another point that can just go across the board from parenting to relationships to the workplace to your team my daughter starts softball this week she's got to go to practice tonight seven to nine she's 12 she doesn't want to be on the field at nine o'clock at night freezing her butt off well freezing for orange county <laughs> we're, we're thin-blooded here so if it's 60 it's freezing <laughs> she doesn't want to be there she doesn't want to do that she just wants to play in the game hit the ball, get the glory. But there's an effort that has to be made in order to have that privilege. There's value in hitting the home run. But the obstacle is going to practice four times a week. 
So there's no reason to think that removing student loans is, is actually, forgiving student loans is actually good for students and for our forward progress. And then of course, it, this brings us to the question that that father had who confronted Elizabeth Warren uh, now last week, I think, um, as I'm recording today, but he asked her at one of her campaign events, hey, uh, you know, does your plan include guys like me who have already paid off the student debt? What about that? And she said, no. Well, yeah, what happens to those people? You want to talk about fair? It's not fair that college is so expensive. It's not fair that everyone can't go if they want to go. It's not fair this. It's not fair that. You want to talk about fair? How fair is it that this guy maybe ate ramen for four years? Maybe he sold his house. You don't know what sacrifices he made, but we all know what sacrifices we have made to take out loans or to afford something, right? So let's not begrudge this guy that quality. I'm going to assume that he made some sacrifices to pay off the loans for his daughter, which he didn't need to do as a parent. Those loans are her loans you do a lot for your kids. So he made those sacrifices. So what about him? He's worked hard. What if he's just a mechanic? I don't know anything about that guy. I'm not going to assume that he's Dick Cheney and Trump Tower. I'm going to assume that he's the guy who cleans the trash in Trump Tower. What about him? What's fair for him? Does he get a refund? How come is it? Well, if you just happen to pay your loans before November 2020, you're out of luck. <laughs> You want to talk about fair? You want to talk about just? That's not fair. That's not just. What about the people who have already worked? By the way, have you asked yourself? I don't know if you're a Warren fan or a Bernie Sanders fan. Um, have you asked yourself what's going to happen to student loans after all of the student debt is forgiven? Like, I haven't seen a plan from either one of them to just end the loan process and to make university completely free They've both talked about it, but there's no plan. There's only like no technical plan on the table. That's the other thing. A lot of these candidates, so I, I've been in politics for a decade now. What your candidates, or, or not just your candidates, your politicians, no matter the party. Trust me on this one. Trust me, people. I have been on the inside. I have peeked behind the veil. Every politician says one thing and means another. It's up to you to dig into what they're saying. It's up to you to actually go look at their proposals, to actually go look at their budgets. You have no idea. These people count on you not being curious. They count on it. And most of the time they can. So if you dig in, they don't have real solid plans for how that'll work. It'll just be like, well, we'll figure it out. We've paid for this. We've paid for that. We'll pay for, we'll figure out how to pay for this too. So the student loan system just end, I mean, to just forgive all student debt, but then continue the process of loaning to students. Is this a big cycle? Do we go, what bank's going to be in the loan business after that? Then who, who, who has, who can give loans? Only the government. Well, how's the government going to fund the loans? They got to raise your taxes. I pay a lot in taxes. I think in California, I, it's almost criminal. It is criminal. I think we're up to 60%. I mean, the founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves. I can't even believe I'm saying that number and I'm still standing here in California. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But this is where we're at. I'd leave if I could. I can't leave yet. And you know what? It's that time to leave because God has not said to leave, which is sort of annoying, but 
huh? Oh, sorry, God. Yeah, I was talking about you, but it, I was only saying nice things. <laughs> I was only saying nice things, Lord. I love it here. Thank you for setting my feet here. Wherever you set my feet, I belong. Okay, sidebar. All right, let's get to the end of this. Let's get to the end. Education has value. So spend your time and money wisely. If you can't afford a Porsche, <clears throat> do not go buy a Porsche. That's common sense, is it not? I know people do it anyway. But you talk about those people, don't you? You talk, you make fun of those people at parties. If you can't afford a five bedroom house in San Diego, right on the shore, then you can't live in a five bedroom house in San Diego, right on the shore. You can't afford it. So it's ridiculous to try to get it and then go get that house and then demand that someone else pay the loan you took out to get that house because it was too expensive. That's what college is. Again, because I can already hear some of you saying, but I'll just hearken back to what I said in the beginning. Some of you are saying, but education is really important and we need to invest in it and it's a right. If education is a right, then yeah, I guess it must be provided. Rights aren't provided. I, I alluded to this earlier and I got my meaning jumbled a little bit, but I'll just reiterate, rights aren't provided. Rights are protected. It's the reason why the Constitution says that these are God-given rights. That's not an accident that that's in there. That's not religious fervor. That is the idea that God, that no man can give you anything and therefore no man can take anything away from you. That there is a higher creator who has endowed you with these rights and therefore no man has authority over that creator. So no man can take that from you. The government's job is to remind people, anybody who would try to take that from you that that is not allowed so if you believe education is a right then it's not the same as having that house on the shore but I don't believe education is a right in fact I know it's not a right and I know that sounds mean to some people because it doesn't it sounds nice to say education is a right that sounds nice Healthcare is a right that sounds nice who's against education who's against healthcare? but this is just listen to yourself and so I want you to listen to what you're saying when you say that. If it's a right, then you've got the right to someone else's labor for free. And I know you don't feel, I know you don't feel like anyone has the right to your labor without compensation. Somehow we stop dealing in terms of people when we get these big ideas and we only see numbers or memes, caric caricatures of the type of person we think we don't like. Education has value, so spend your time and money wisely. You only have so many dollars. You only have, <clears throat> excuse me, you only have so far to stretch with your budget. So don't go get a degree in feminist studies in basket weaving. Do you know what I mean? It's going, it, it, that has no value. There's no value to that degree. It might be fun, but there are certain degrees that you get that are only... <laughs> The only thing you can do with those degrees is, is teach those degrees. I love philosophy. I'm a huge fan of philosophy. Philosophy, if there, I can't believe that there are people still training for degrees in philosophy, which is a very worthy area to be studied. But you only get a degree in philosophy if you're going to teach philosophy. You're not going to get hired by the philosophy cafeteria. <laughs> You're not, you know, like there's just not philosophy isn't like McDonald's, it's not like food service. It's not like being a doctor. It's a very specific application. 
And we have a, we have so many, I mean, it, going through this process with my son and watching and looking at all the different degrees that are available. It is amazing. I'm like, who is paying for these things? There's no way I'm going to pay for a degree in women's studies. What does that even mean? What are you going to do with a degree in women's studies? You're going to go teach other people women's studies because there's no women's studies product to make when you graduate college. Look, I love, I love black people. I love my people. I love my community. But what the hell are you going to do with a degree in African-American studies unless you're going to get into A, the grievance industry or B, teaching? Your, de your degree has value. This is the other thing that universities do. See, this is how you know it's a product. There's absolutely no real world application for some of the, for feminist studies, for women's studies, for, there's no real world application. A few of those people might find elite jobs in activist groups or in colleges. But for the day-to-day, -day, you're not like getting your day-to-day -day income with those degrees. Why do colleges offer those if they know they're dead ends? Because they know you're going to buy it. They're just responding to the market. So they dilute the value of their own degrees by doing that stuff. Get a, if you're going to pay for college, if you're going to take out loans and get a degree that's going to have a return on it, that only makes sense. And you can study women's studies. You can study feminist studies or African-American studies or non-binary, transgender, Afri African-American, LGBT, women's studies um, on the moon. You can do all that. You can do whatever you want. You can do it on your own time or you can add those as a minor. But don't go get a useless degree, pay $200,000 for it by, and get $100,000 in loans and then come to me and tell me I'm supposed to pay your loan because you can't get a job with your dumbass degree. Parents, y'all got to stop raising these kids with the idea that they're supposed to go out there and change the world. Just raise your kids to go out there and be productive. There's something more world changing than that. But these kids who, who grow up in this atmosphere that is their one thing in life to go change the world and it's the only thing they can do. Those are the people that become useless human beings because nobody with sense thinks they alone can change the world. Nobody with good sense. There have been one or two people. Even you, you want, I, I can hear some of y'all saying, right? Martin Luther King changed the world, not by himself. Not by himself. So I, and, and I guarantee you that he did, wasn't a kid and was like, mom, when I grow up, I'm going to change the world. He was probably like, I want to have a wife. I want to have kids. I want to, you know, and then circumstances drove him to be a society changer. Anyone who says that they're going to school so they can change the world is an idiot. You better change that person's mind. I'd be scared of somebody who said that. I don't want you to change the world. We'll figure out, we'll cross every bridge when we get there. It's a little bit self-important to think that the only reason for your education is to change the world. Those are the dangerous people. Those are the people that go for these degrees that really have no real world value. So don't get your education because you want to change the world. Get your education because you want to change yourself. There's a great point in, uh, I haven't read this book, but I'm, I'm fascinated by Dr. Jordan Peterson. I'm fascinated by all the hatred for him. I mean, the man's a scientist. He's just a scientist. Honest to God. It's no wonder he just had a mental breakdown. The way people talk about him. And it's like, when you read his stuff, you're like, oh man, he's just, he's literally just a scientist <laughs> and he's just giving data, but it's the data that people don't like. So it gets labeled as some way, but he's got this Ah, his t book 12 rules for life but one of the rules is make your bed and I've heard him talk about this often 
his his idea is you make your bed, you tidy the world around you, fix the world around you. And then that will set a base for you to be able to to go out and challenge these other things that are wrong with the world. But you've got to fix what's wrong around you first. Get your own house in order first. And then you're more equipped, better able, have more experience to go help what's wrong with the world. And a lot of people will say, yeah, but what about the things that you have no control over? You have control over your room, but like climate change is going to kill us in 12 years or the banking system's collapsing or whatever your arm, your Armageddon, whatever your version of Armageddon is, it's coming. People can't control those things. We've got to go out and fight them. And Jordan Peterson's thing is, why would I trust you with saving the world and you can't even make your own friggin' bed in the morning? Do you know what I mean? If you can't, you can't get your own house in order, why would I trust you with getting the world in order? You should not be getting an education to change the world. You should be getting an education to change yourself. The world will change accordingly. That's it. I've made my case. This is why I think forgiving student debt is a bad idea. It's not going to work. It's going to make things worse for us. Somebody's going to pay the price. That somebody will be you and me. It will never be the elites as much as you wish. It won't be. So I would rather look at it as a business transaction between two entities and you decide if the, if the value is worth the money, if the return on your investment is going to be worth the risk. That's life, people. That's the best lesson you can teach your kids. If you always, as always, if you have a response to this, if you have an opinion that's different or the same as mine, go ahead and contact me on Twitter. Uh, you can go look at my Twitter page I have my email I think in my profile which is Kira Davis 422 at gmail.com and then of course you can just use that and uh, email me your thoughts I hear from a lot of you guys I read them all I'm sorry if I don't respond to everyone but I get a lot these days which which makes me happy but I just I'm still doing the mom thing you know so I don't have a lot of time <laughs> but I'll I'll do my best to get back to you and if it's a great if it's a good enough and interesting enough response I will read it on the air and I'll respond to it um I just love to hear thoughtfulness. So send me, tell me what you think on this. Before I go, I I know this podcast is lasting a longer than a little longer than usual. I'm feeling long-winded today. Apologize for that. But uh, I'm recording this two days after the tragedy um, of the helicopter accident that killed Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna and seven other people here, right here in Orange County. And uh, well, they're from Orange County. I, I don't think he was in Orange County when he crashed. I think they were in L.A. County, but they're going to a basketball game. I mean, I don't have to rehash it. You all know. <clears throat> we're all going to remember where we were when we heard Kobe Bryant died. I was in church and I got a text from my friend and she was like, what? Kobe Bryant's dead? And everybody must have been getting the same text at the same time. I go to a big church. It's about a thousand people in the sanctuary at that time. And the pastor had just started his sermon. And at the same time, everybody's head like dropped to their phones. And this murmur just like started rippling out in waves over the whole sanctuary. And you could see the pastor react to it because obviously everyone was doing the same thing at the same time. But he has no way of knowing what it was. And thank God, because you wouldn't want him to stop that sermon right in the middle of it. But it was so eerie and weird. And eventually everyone pulled it together. But uh, yeah, for us here in Orange County, especially, I feel like 
well, I don't want to take anything away from like LA fans or any fans. Everyone is is devastated by this. LA fans are a, are a certain breed of people. And LA Lakers are family to people. So there's a lot of people genuinely mourning Kobe. Genuinely mourning him. In Orange County, it's so weird though because our county is so small it acts like a it's almost like a small town because in this part of the world everything's developed so you're just really going from there's not many demarcations you're just really going from town to town to town and your streets are just the border in that respect it it may I think it makes us all a lot closer than people would think and that six degrees of separation thing is like alive and well here in Orange County it's crazy it's crazy, but I just somehow everybody is connected to each other. And Kobe Bryant was no different. You know, everyone around here, because he lived in Newport Beach. That's why he had the helicopter. And I feel bad now because the joke around here is like, oh, you want to be friends with, with Kobe so that you can fly over the LA traffic. How do I meet Kobe so I can be his friend? It's not funny anymore. But we're such a, it's such a tight knit area. Everyone's got a connection to the family in some way, especially if you, if you have school age kids. Like my kids go to, you'd be shocked to know some of the people my kids go to school with. I won't bust everybody out. I don't want everyone to know where these people live, but it's not uncommon to go to school with the children of celebrities around here. It really isn't. And <clears throat> everyone's got a story of how they were connected to someone on the helicopter. My husband's boss was friends with the pilot. My daughter's friend was friends with one of the girls that went late. And, and I'm like, everybody has a story like that around here. That's what I'm trying to say. Everyone's so connected. Everyone has a story. And it's just been, it's been devastating. My daughter was saying in school yesterday, they spent a lot of the day doing tributes to Kobe. Um, a lot of kids who play sports have played with Kobe's daughter. And it just, it's a tragedy beyond measure it's a tragedy because he is a public figure and in that way public figures become sort of a unifier for all of us and that's why it feels so much more devastating to lose a public figure like that than it would I know sometimes on Twitter people are like oh you don't even know the names of the guys that crashed in Afghanistan it's like it's not that we don't value that loss <clears throat> any less it's not like we value that loss any less but when a public figure like Kobe is taken from us it reminds us at one time of our mortality it reminds us of our shared humanity and our shared interests it just feels like a little in that respect a little bit of the light goes out of the world you know here's a unifier I mean he was just a basketball player I'm sure he didn't mean to be a unifier he was just doing his job he's a great basketball player but in the process became a great unifier because everybody loves sports. Everybody loves to be entertained. So I guess I just wanted to end with um, a word of sympathy and condolences for the families of the people who lost their lives on that chopper. I mean, one of the families, it was a mom, dad and their daughter. They have other kids at home, you know, overnight, <laughs> just wake up with with no parents Vanessa Bryant's kids don't have a dad but one of these other kids they don't have a mom or a dad or a sister today so just a huge huge tragedy and uh, it's hard not to feel moved by it as a parent and it's hard not to feel for Vanessa Bryant who has a small baby and of course three other girls and 
I, my heart, I'm like you. I don't know what else to say. I, I don't want to drag this on. I just wanted to offer my condolences to the Bryant family and to the families of those who were lost on that flight. And I just wanted us all to take a moment to remind ourselves that um, as scary as it is to think about, we're not promised tomorrow. We don't, we don't get to choose our time. We just get to choose how to use it. So I hope you use your time and your finances wisely. And uh, I will talk to you next week. And until then, don't forget, every once in a while, just stop and listen to yourself. Bye. If you don't like the way I talk, then why am I on your mind? If you don't like the way I talk, then why are we wasting time? We fight and we argue, you'll soon love me blind. If we don't miss this whole thing, I'm guaranteed I can blow your mind. And tonight I'm alive in a dollar sign, guaranteed I can blow your mind. The FCB Radio Network, first class broadcasting worldwide. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others, so that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.